Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to episode 24 for the Social Collectives Podcast. We are here today with Alina Gardizi. Hi. The greatest gave coming soon to the Dulles Mall, April 1st. April 1st. Fingers crossed. (laughs) It's going to happen April 1st. We'll pretend. (laughs) And we're here with Mr. The coolest guy in the room, Mr. Aaron (laughs) Sefchik. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) And we have our special guest, Kelly Rogan. Hey, hey. With I always I always get your name confused. Schooled or yep. school ed? We pronounce it schooled. Okay, there you go. You've been I schooled. got schooled. <laughs> get schooled with us. <laughs> Love it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so me, I think I need to go to schooled because I'm like, do I pause? Do I go? Do I what do I do? Oh, I I have verbal diarrhea, so I can't help you with that. I can help you learn how to read the words though. Okay. Oh my gosh. I think I know how to read. I think I'm good there. <laughs> All right. All right, Kelly. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey. We want to hear all about schooled and yeah, just everything. Okay. So, hmm. I am a longtime teacher. I have been with Loudon. Probably close to 20 years. So my background has been that I was a kindergarten teacher. I was a first grade teacher. And then I was pregnant with my oldest, and it was just kind of time to leave the classroom. So I became a reading specialist. So I've done that, oh gosh, 15 years now. So I've kind of always tutored on the side, as many educators do. COVID came, though, and I had so many families reaching out to me looking for support that my schedule was full. And then I started saying things like, okay, I'm going to find you somebody. And so I kind of built a team from teachers that I had taught with personally, or I had trained personally. um, And they worked for me as contractors. And so I kind of had an accidental business. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. So fast forward, here we are now. And we just opened our first space at the Dallas Town Center. That's so exciting. Yes, Congratulations. Thank you. So before we go on, I do have to ask, what was your favorite grade to teach? Oh, my favorite grade to teach was kindergarten. However, I, <laughs> I have to say when I was teaching kindergarten in the county, we were half day. And so I quickly became like my grandmother. I was like, Bobby, Susie, Joey, Billy. Like, I just couldn't remember anybody's <laughs> names because I had 50 students. At one point, I started like having a special job for the students where like their job was to help me remember where I set down the papers that I was holding. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I really, if I were to go back to the classroom, kindergarten would probably be my dream, oh. but it's full day now. So I would not feel like I was losing my mind. <laughs> ah, That's I, crazy. You know, I never thought about that where it, the teacher's there all day. It's just right. the students are different. Yeah. So instead of 25 kids, you have 50 yeah. and the same work twice a day. Yeah. I just, I love, huh, what chaos. I love about kindergarten is, and it can be chaos, yeah. but there are very, very few jobs where you get the kind of joy that you get in a kindergarten classroom. And so I think that that's one of the things that, you know, on my soapbox, I feel like there's so much of that missing now, though. We've gone so heavy into the academics. Mm-hmm. And there's so many other things right now for teachers, you know, dealing with behaviors coming out of COVID, dealing with special needs coming out of COVID. It's really hard to see that, but really there's very few places that are as joyful as a kindergarten classroom. 
So kind yeah. of what you just said, there are a lot more issues with kids because of COVID. What sure. are some of the things you're noticing? Um, holes in instruction is, uh, you know, from my, from where I'm standing, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that holes in instruction is significant, not to anybody's fault. That is not faulting teachers. It just, I mean, the nature of, of the instructional model at the time. I'm personally seeing a lot of families where they're coming to us because their child's struggling and it's truly hard to know, should the school be pressing at evaluation because they think that there's maybe something more underlying? Or is it because these are COVID babies mm -hmm. that maybe just missed some instructional foundations and it's, you know, a little bit easier to supplement? From my company's standpoint, we don't require a diagnosis or an evaluation, but I think schools are really being challenged right now to know what kind of intervention is the best kind of intervention for the students? Now, do you deal with, so my son, um, he's a fifth grader right now, but has been on an IEP since I want to say first grade. Mm -hmm. So always has been taken away from the classroom sure. into like a smaller group because that's where he focused more, you know, with the ADHD and, you know, just as me personally, as in my standpoint, not ready to medicate him. I don't think he really sure. needs to be yet. I can't say for the future, okay. but do you deal with like a lot of kids? Do you look over IEPs or? We do. Um, so many of our students, actually almost all of our students, now that I'm saying this, almost all of them have ADHD or attention issues or mm -hmm. concerns. Uh, that doesn't mean that they all have an IEP, but many of them come with that to our center. We also um, see students who are dyslexic. We kind of specialize in dyslexia support. I do look at IEPs. I have gone to child study meetings. Um, I do talk with families about what I feel like the right strategies and implementation for instruction would be. Having said that, a couple of important clarifying points. I'm not a special education teacher. Right. As a reading specialist, my role kind of overlaps quite a lot. I do have specialized instruction for reading specifically. So I can guide parents as to what I think should be Ooh. happening, and I have a lot of opinions. <laughs> but I oftentimes will also help them get in touch with an advocate if that's kind of the direction they want to go. Or I can talk with teachers so that we make sure that we're making like a cohesive approach to instruction. Right. I'm also not qualified to diagnose. Right. Working with a student, I can generally say, you know, do I think that maybe we have a dyslexic profile? Yes, but they would have to go for a full evaluation. I recommend starting with the school system, but certainly there are outside organizations that do that as well. Right. And I think as parents, that's what we need is just guidance. Oh, there's no handbook. Know what we can get. There's you know, no handbook for this, right? There's not. <laughs> and, and the truth is, I think more than anything, families just want to be heard. They want to have somebody to come to to say, this is my child and I want you to see them and I want you to know like this is this is our pain point and this is what we're struggling with. So sometimes my role is to simply listen and to say, you know, I see you, I hear you. This is what I think our instructional plan should be moving forward. Again, I can't formalize that. I can't make it an IEP, but I do think that you know, as a mom, I want to be heard. I want right. to know that my child's teacher knows who she is and knows that she's sensitive and has some anxiety. And, you know, I don't need more than that sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's such a hard balance sometimes. So my son goes to a school that focuses on sensory processing and sensory issues. So he doesn't need an IEP or any of that because that's all the kids and, you know, they're not 
they're getting therapy and all of that. But even then I feel like I'm like struggling most of the time to get even basics into him, especially when it comes to phonics. So we will definitely be coming (laughs) to you. I'm your friend. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I mean, and then he's hard on himself, which sucks. Like, how do you do that when a five-year-old's like, well, I'm just not good at English. And I'm like, you're five. How do you know? You know, it, it, that's a really interesting point. And there was something that I was reading recently. So, you know, you're starting at five, right? right? The students that I would see regularly tended to be first graders and second graders. Mm-hmm. First graders would love it when I came to the classroom. Like, woohoo, we're out of the room. We're going to go to reading. The other kids would be like, hey, can we come too? But by the middle of second grade, mm-hmm. we start seeing a shift where they're a little bit more reluctant to come. And I mean, I'm fun all the right. time, obviously. But <laughs> by the middle of second grade, they're starting to be a little bit more like, eh, why am why I being, am I being singled pulled out? out? Right. And the other students are, while we hope, not really saying or teasing, we can't guarantee it. As we go up in grade level, though, I really think that there starts to be shame associated with, you know, we can't we can't fake it till we make it anymore. Mm. We can't hide as well when our peers are noticing things a little bit more. And so then shame becomes the enemy. Mm. When we have students starting to say, hey, like my friend at the bus stop is reading Harry Potter. And now right. what does mom think? Like, oh my God, my neighbor's kid is reading Harry Potter. Right. right. So it starts to be this shroud of shame that starts to surround reading and behaviors with reading. And so I like to think that, We broaden the scope of a life by giving students the tools that they need Mm -hmm. to read, not because I think like everybody needs to be a word nerd, but it makes students feel a little bit more confident. And this is also why if you have a child who's really got strengths in music or strengths in sports, well, we really have to kind of foster those as well, because otherwise it can start to just be this really Mm. horrible cycle for students And then by middle and high, you know, the stress, the anxiety, the high expectations, it starts to snowball. I just feel like there's so much pressure on kids. You know, Mm -hmm. I see some high schoolers. I I was a horrible student. I'm not going to lie. I was not the school girl, the book girl. I was like, I just need to get this done. My mom's like, you're going to college, right? I was like, no. (laughs) I'm like counting the days until I graduate. So no. (laughs) No. It just wasn't in me. It wasn't, I wasn't that that type of girl. But I feel like there's so much pressure. Like I would see kids that, like if they got a B, they would mm-hmm. go to the teacher and see what project they could do or what assignment to, to get it up to an A. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like, it's a lot. It's a it's- lot. And it starts pretty young, I Well, yeah, say. no, I was in trouble if it was anything under a B. I had South Asian parents who are a whole <laughs> different story because all their kids are going to be doctors, lawyers, engineers, or nothing. <laughs> like, there's no comparison, right? <laughs> and so when I was like, Dad, I want to be a journalist, he's like, are you kidding me? Do you know how much money they make? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, maybe you shouldn't have talked to my English teacher and getting me into newspaper camp then. Like, it's not my fault. He's like, no, you promised me law school, you're going to law school. Mm. Yeah, huh. and... It didn't work. I didn't go. So I won. He lost. And then I don't know who really won, but we'll go with that. I think for me, I think the way we grew up pre the whole technology boom that happened and the kids and how that they're growing up with technology now and how that plays a part, not only in how they learn, but social media as well. Right. So they're very exposed. 
and shame plays into that as well because, you know, it's a matter of how we put ourselves out there. So technology and how it plays for the kids is, oh man, I can't even, as a parent, that's something to deal with. But as a kid and just how fast it's going and Mm -hmm. learning all of it. And now they're coming out with more tools that for me as a parent, I've been going down a rabbit hole lately was this whole chat GPT thing and how I'm so fascinated. <laughs> I am too, but I'm also horrified, a little bit right? horrified because <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Microsoft, they own chat GPT and now they're going to put that in all of the computers. Right. Oh. So now going forward, the way that our kids are going to learn is not the way they're learning now. Right. It's a whole new ball game. So I was talking with Garrett Wilhelm on a podcast not too long ago, and we had the same conversation. I think for me, because I've been using this a little bit, even at, at my company, like, can I help it? You know, will it help me write a decodable text? Oh, absolutely. Text? I'm, I use it all the time. But I think the question with kids is the understanding and the, you know, importance of how do we learn? Mm-hmm. Why are we learning this? That really has to be where the focus shifts because... I think that everything they want to know, I mean, and really it it begs the question that in jobs, what kind of qualifications are you really going to need to have? That's exactly right. Can I just say that I'm, you know, an attorney because there it is. Mm -hmm. But I think that for our kids, we have to shift the focus for why are we learning? How do we learn new things? Because the information itself is right there, and it's just more and more accessible. Well, to you're them. at the point where a five year old's like, you know, oh Google, what's yeah. the weather today? Right. And I'm like, <laughs> right. Are you really talking to Google? You can't just look outside. Yeah, or Siri. <laughs> yeah, what's and, a good number? It's like it's, it's crazy. But it my is. son asks Google everything. Yeah. And I do think, you know, we're seeing, I had hilariously, one of my tutors called me the other day and she was like, you are not going to believe this. And she said, she's sitting with her student here. And they were virtual and he's a sixth grader. And she's like, he sure enough typed in, like she could see him typing, can't see his screen. He used chat GPT to write something for her sitting on the other side of the screen. And oh she was gosh. like, and she said, Come on, man. You got to do a little bit better than right. that. Yeah. I know right. you don't even know that vocabulary word. But, <laughs> but I mean, that's I pretty bold, like that's going to be right? my kid. Right. Like. Well, and that's just it. That technology is going to be available to everybody. And that is going to shape young minds going 100%, forward. Right. So it's really, it's almost unfathomable in terms of what their future is going to look like. Because mm-hmm. we can't yes. really put our hands around that. It's going to be a whole new playing field. And their education going forward is going to be so important in how they learn and what they're learning and the reasons behind why they're learning it. Correct. And I think, you know, for students that we see, we see students with dyslexia, but we also see students with dysgraphia. And so that's like problems with actually like the physical act of writing, but with spelling as well. And I've had a couple of conversations lately that it makes you wonder, will those skills almost become obsolete. Right. But, you know, it's interesting because the way our brain works is that when we write something, it actually puts it in a different part of our memory, right? So kids' brains are actually changing. Their actual way they learn things is different. Like my brain prefers paper. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether it's a sticky note that I'm writing 1,025 of or (laughs) whether it's like a book that I'm reading. But my kids, while they like books – 
they prefer to learn on the screen. And so I think we're seeing a time absolutely where the act of learning is it's different. It's going to be different. Yes. So what you've seen with, you know, ADHD and kids that are having a hard time focusing, um, I've heard that screens might have a lot to do with that, but do you have any tips on what parents could use on their devices to help them learn and not just be watching videos about Mario all day? Roblox. (laughs) I know. Are you asking (laughs) about like learning apps Right. Like something you know or would recommend or? I don't. No. Okay. (laughs) I know. And I don't say that because I think that they're bad. I mean, there are a lot of great learning apps. I still at my center in my practice, we use a lot of things on the computer. Mm -hmm. Like, um, so our instruction is customized to every student. We start with an assessment, right? And then I'm going to kind of build a learning path for them. So let's say that you are coming to me and Mm -hmm. I have a whole slide deck of cards and skills that you're using, but they're different than Leslie's. So we do keep a lot of that on the computer instead of keeping 500 decks of cards. But we don't tend to use a lot of apps. We use a few things on on virtual. We use something called WordWall. We use something called Pink Cat Games. I mean, are those something I would recommend for your kid at home? No. Okay. If, I mean, I don't know. I still think sometimes ADHD is rooted in the fact that, you know, we need to play. We need to move. Mm-hmm. Our little bodies are, they're, they're, well, not my little body. Their little bodies right. <laughs> are sitting for too long. Um, right. That doesn't cause ADHD and it doesn't fix ADHD. But, you know, kids are telling us that they, they need move. to move. Yeah. I just, I, I guess I would say if I had a chance to go home and look up a bunch of apps, I could give you a list. Mm-hmm. That's not the kind of learning that we typically right. do. Right. And it's not that I don't recommend it. It's just that we don't use it a whole lot. Yeah. yeah. Does that's that awesome. make sense? Yeah. yeah, that's a yeah. good As yeah. a teacher that makes with sense. music, yeah. there's no replacing that human I just want to you to human, do it, right? Yes, exactly. Right? right. Like I can I you can go to YouTube all day long and learn how to play guitar or whatever exactly. instrument you want to, yeah. but there is nothing like sitting one on one with a teacher and me walking through questions yes. that you would have or you know, in real time. Right. Or <laughs> right. the teacher making you think, right? Like, I'm not going to give you the answer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to help you work through this. That way you get to the answer on your own. Because when I leave, I'm not going to be here to help you. Right. I need you to be able to do this on your own. Mm-hmm. And that's where that human to human thing comes in. So to that point, two thoughts on that. I, one of my big frustrations with schooling right now, again, nobody's fault. The system is big. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of kids and a lot of needs. But people over programs, right? So when I look at some of the conversations that are going on right now, we don't need more programs and we don't need more apps. What Mm -hmm. we need are more teachers. Right. Right. We need more people that are able to support and intervene where there is a a pain point, where there's Mm -hmm. a struggle. Uh, And I really, I sometimes laugh at all of the money and the stuff that is being thrown Mm -hmm. at the problem instead of getting people in to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Right. But also, I think that learning happens best in relationship first. So I 100% agree. If I have a student sitting with me and they feel comfortable that I'm a safe place to make a mistake, because that's where learning happens. Yes. It's literally like riding a bike. You have to be willing to fall or to take off the training wheels to get to the next part. And reading is exactly the same. But if they don't feel safe... If mm-hmm. they don't feel heard and seen, they're not going to try it. So you don't get that same thing yeah. with watching somebody on a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. 
Right, or just hearing, looking at your iPad right. or your mm-hmm. laptop. and Well, there's just, not really any feedback exactly. that's meaningful. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my I had ABC Mouse when they were, you know, <laughs> sure. yep. little kids. And <laughs> I mean, they, they did like it, but I think it was more because of the games. Of not, course. Not so much the it's learning, fun. right? Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. But now in fifth grade, my son... He doesn't get pulled out. And I think it's because of that that same thing. They don't want the kids to be pinpointed like, mm-hmm. oh, they're leaving right. the classroom as when it was in first and second grade. So they still get additional help sure. within the classroom, but they're with all their peers. But he likes that. He likes raising his hand and asking a question and the teacher coming to him and walking him through the, you know, the worksheet or whatever they're working on. And it's that relationship. They feel safe. And mm-hmm. that's how they learn better. I have a question. Mm-hmm. In your profession, have you seen a change in the way that parents interact with mm-hmm. teachers since ah, COVID? That's a really oh, that's good, a good COVID. one. So... <laughs> I, am dramatic pause. I am treading carefully. Okay, so I think there have been, yes, I think there have been a lot of changes since COVID. I would say in some ways it's hard to pinpoint. One of the things that I see, the culture of school with families has changed. So, for example, prior to COVID, in an elementary school classroom, I might have had, you know, three parents a week that could come in and help support. Mm -hmm. While schools have opened their doors to make families welcome again, in most cases, that same kind of culture and relationship between teachers and parents is not the same. Either families are busier, um, Mm -hmm. priorities have shifted because let's be honest, they've shifted. Or schools are not welcoming people to work as closely as they Mm -hmm. had before. Uh, so I think that has changed, and I think that that has really had an effect on, you know, people are lost. They're buried in emails right now. Everything has become digitized, um, you know, newsletters, report cards. I think families are less informed now than they were before, not because teachers are not walking the walk, but because, like, personally, how many crate and barrel emails can I get in a day, right? right? So, like, even checking my email has become, oh, man, I have to go back and look for my, oh my kids' gosh, that's me. report card that was <laughs> yeah. sent four weeks ago or something. Or you have to log into Parent View, exactly and right. then the day of the report cards come out, it crashes and yes. it's down because everybody's trying to. And then guess what? Three days later go by yes. because you keep trying to log in and it's down and you forget about it. Yes. So my <laughs> child literally had to ask me the other day, mom, did you look at my report card? I opened and my I kids two days ago when I was a teacher. So Horrible. I was like, I haven't. Of course. <laughs> yes, honey. So, yeah, I told him. I was like, yeah, was you're like, doing good great. Job. Good job. Good High job. five. I, I mean, after I, I was like, Joseph, <laughs> there's some things we need to talk about. But it, it's, you know. But when you, you would get it in yep. the little right. manila uh, envelope, or you, or know, you had to sign it. Oh my God, you had to sign it and send right. it back, That's right? Oh, I hated yeah. that feeling. I actually miss that. And I would say my generation's kind of the last generation where the technology mm-hmm. switched over. And I, me as being the millennial parent, I miss getting those report card, those paper report cards. 
Like I need that. Well, I again, my brain prefers paper, but I do think in making things easier through technology, I do think that there is becoming a, a wider gap there between how comfortable families feel talking with teachers and vice versa. I would say another change that I have seen coming down the pike, it's definitely since COVID, but it, I mean, it started a little bit before that. I do think that there's a little bit of a climate right now where teachers and admin are not able to intervene in a way that, um, hmm. they're not able to intervene in a way, like let's say there are big behaviors. I, I sometimes think that families feel like, you know, there's a child in my kid's classroom that's either disruptive or maybe a little dangerous and they, you know, maybe want that child removed or, I, you know, I think teachers and admin do not have the kind of control and decision-making over some of those things that families would like us to have. And we're really in a time right now where their hands are tied. Right. So I think that that has caused a lot of distrust mm. between the community and the school systems. Mm. Yeah. That's understandable. I mean, the communication is broken down. Yes. Um, so with that, you're going to have issues. Correct. Uh, also on the stress of that, okay, COVID happened and a lot of people got fed up. Yes. And so they left. So a they lot left. of homeschool so is growing. So the workforce died down and the numbers died down. Yes. And now you have, an, well, you don't have an influx because it's still hard to get teachers. So now there's Getting less Getting harder. Now <laughs> yeah. there's less teachers, which means less students, which means less tax money to sure. fund that school. So now that school, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an uphill cycle. battle. Yeah. It's, it's really hard post-COVID for the teachers, communication. It's not easy. No, you know, the whole thing from, from a parent perspective, man, it's hard, mm. right? Yeah. Like, again, I want my child to be seen and known, and I want to know that the school is meeting my kids' needs, that my child is safe and my child is learning. And from the school's perspective, they are overwhelmed with additional educational needs, behavioral needs, family needs. It's definitely a challenge. And I will say, you know, I, I obviously stepped away from, from school, but um, it is getting, you know, they're putting more and more on top of a teacher's plate and then just expecting the it's same. And, and it's, this is across the board. It's not just here in Loudoun. It is getting harder and harder for teachers to show up and really put their heart and soul into the work that they're doing because every day, you know, it's it's another assessment, it's another program, you know, something else to do, something else to learn. I feel truly that good people are being pushed to their limits and being pushed out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that brought my next question um, for the homeschool because now I know there are many, many parents that look for like the homeschool co-ops mm -hmm. where they can kind of trade off. Is that something that schooled will be offering <laughs> soon? Yes. Or coming? Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> listen, uh, we have two kids over here. Listen, okay. <laughs> One here, too. <laughs> Great, let's do it. So uh, funny you say that. Uh, you know, we we just opened our doors to families in January. Our grand opening was December. We opened our doors in January. We would love to have some homeschool pods with us. Um, you know, we have reading in-house. We have writing in-house. We have math in-house. And, you know, 
Brooke, my assistant director, and I have been working so hard to get some games in-house to keep things fun and engaging. So we are welcoming pre-K pods, and we are welcoming um, homeschool pods as well. That's awesome. amazing. So, yeah, That's we're amazing. really excited about that. Our space is kind of sad during the day. <laughs> we would love to have some fun during the, the daytime hours. Um, that's definitely something we're building towards. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Well, that's good to know. For, I know for all the parents that, because I, I talk to many, many parents that, you know, they're like, I, I want to do homeschooling, but if they're like me, I don't have the patience for it. I was just going to say, like, I love the idea of the education. I love the idea, right. But then I'm but, like... I don't think my kids like me that much. <laughs> right. Last. Because my kids are different. They're, I mean, every child is different, different with, with their, their mom, their mom and dad yeah. versus someone else. I right? had this conversation with a mom that I was talking to before I came here. During COVID, here we are, right? My kids have reading homework, writing homework. It's like I'm pulling out my degree and being like, baby, I promise you I know this stuff. Like, I am qualified. But they were like, no. Yeah. They don't take their we mom We don't want your help. I'll ever. ask the teacher. And I'm All like, right. what? And this is a, she's a yeah. teacher, you know? It's they like, don't care. I'm still uh, mom at home, right? Yeah. yeah. They're looking at me like, um, are you sure that's right? Let's ask Google. Yeah. <laughs> no, my son's opposite. He's like, dad, let me check with mom first. Oh, <laughs> oh I love that. Sweet. And I'm like, I'm, I, I'm okay with this. You know, I also think something that happened during COVID, you know, we asked a lot of families, right? And mm-hmm. I, I oftentimes rem- remind my tutors. And then when I talk with teachers as well, parents are not teachers, not because they're not capable, but like, we're wearing a different hat at home. I am a teacher through and through, but I don't want to wear that hat at home. Honestly, I think that it's very difficult to maintain the family structure. Mm -hmm. If you are at home and you're at your kitchen table and you are doing homework and the bottom's just fallen out, right? Mm -hmm. Like how much can you do the push and pull before your relationship with your kids starts to fall apart? A lot of families come to us and they, they say just that and they're like, I just can't do it anymore. I grew up, my brother had some learning challenges, and I saw my own mom with the same situation. And finally, she said, I'm getting him a tutor because, like, we're, I mean, there's arguing, there's frustration, there's low confidence. At home, I I don't want to wear that hat. I, You know, my job at home is to to play and to cook dinner. Just kidding. I don't get to play. I mostly cook dinner. (laughs) (laughs) And and I I clean up around there. But um, I, I just... I don't wear that hat at home. Um, And I think when we made that switch to ask that of families, Mm -hmm. it became really hard. Yeah. It really did. It's like I'm getting flashbacks right now. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So. It was a a rough year. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, you know, especially with, like, I feel for moms. Like, my son already struggles in school. And then having that whole COVID year where they're behind a computer. He wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I, would you look at him. <laughs> I would look at him and he's like spaced out looking at a corner of the wall. And I'm like, Joseph, pay attention. Look at you. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Yeah. And like <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs up. I'm like, no, no, we need to get these kids back in school or something. Do right. Something. They struggled for sure. <laughs> yeah. We are back. Right. I mean, so that's the good news. The bad news is that we have a lot of holes to go back and fill. I will tell you, I think where the younger students struggled in terms of holes and foundation, I really actually am particularly worried about middle high. Yes. Um, I think that they spent a lot of time kind of like where you're saying your son was like spaced out. There was a lot of, you know, 
watching something else on their phone mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and the habits of learning mm-hmm. fell away. Yes. And now I think the rigor, it, it's very hard. Like I was in high school for the last couple of years before I left seeing students, even with like, okay, but really this is the expectation. Like you really do have to do this essay timelines and deadlines have they've become fluid, right? And so students, I think now they don't know how to learn. They don't know, they don't understand that, or if they understand it, they just don't take seriously some of the expectations. And so the concern there is these are students that are going to college, right? Your college professor is not giving you a wavy deadline and and neither is your boss. Right. right. And so I think some of the habits surrounding studying and some of the habits surrounding expectations and deadlines, that has become a really gray area. And so I do worry that for the students that are in middle and high school that maybe had those really, let's even say two or three years, right, where COVID mm-hmm. kind of affected learning and the instructional model, uh, some of those behaviors have become concerns. Right. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> it's like so much to think I about. Know, I mean, well, did I school a, you yet? It's a, it's <laughs> yes. a big topic. I mean, yeah, education a is a, a very hot topic. It has been. It needs to be restructured. Mm-hmm. Everybody Great. knows this. Oh, I thought it was going to happen a little bit in COVID, and I got real excited, yeah. but it didn't. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's, uh, it's a moving target, and that's really, really hard to do. It is. And, and it really, it, it may not be fixable, right? I think that what we're seeing where you're saying some of the mass exodus towards homeschool, towards different types of learning, that might be, you know, there may be some other models that pop up that start to maybe be what is the catalyst for some of the change. One of the things I do want to say before we sign off, though, is, and I don't know when we're signing off. I don't actually know what time it is. <laughs> But it's something I was thinking in this conversation is I think the truth here, though, is they're going to find their feet, right? Mm. All of the kids are going to find their way if we provide them the opportunities that can help scaffold, you know, their whether it's actual education in terms of reading or math, but certainly activities bridge that gap as well. You know, helping them, maybe, maybe it's not that they're committed to one sport, but letting them have the opportunities to try different things, whether that's drums, whether it's cooking, whether it's, uh, you know, different kinds of sports, they are absolutely going to find their feet. Mm -hmm. We just have to help show them their strengths. Uh, I do think that parents start to really get not all parents. I don't want to make a blanket mm-hmm. statement, but I do think that it's easy to get bogged down in what they can't do instead of really focusing in on the strengths that they do have, getting them the support they need to build up that foundation. They're all going to find their way. Mm-hmm. And we are dealing with a changing landscape where technology is literally changing by the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think if we sometimes zoom out instead of zooming in, it can help us help them get to where they're going. Right. That's awesome. Wow. I've learned a lot today. Yeah, that's a lot to think about. (laughs) And it's, you know, I I know we consistently, Alina, we we talk about this. You know, we're busy. You know, not only do we have our businesses, our personal lives, but then, you know, we're we're mothers and Mm -hmm. just trying to, Figure things out and the best that we can for our children. My five-year-old so. is killing me, though. No joke. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I've got like this weird age gap. Well, soon yeah. to be seven and then the 11-year-old. Right. And the seven-year-old's trying Killing to you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so do you take all age groups? I don't think so that's primarily, um, primarily, we are K through eight. However, okay. having said that, I actually work with a 49-year-old gentleman right now on teaching reading. So, um, oh, awesome. yeah, it's, it's actually something that just relatively new. So that's been really fun. We just brought on a math tutor who actually does do geometry and algebra one and algebra two. Oh, so generally, amazing. yeah, those are ages that are a little bit outside of our eighth grade. So it really depends on what you're looking for. But if we were to do literacy instruction, our preference is K through eight. Mm. However, there are definitely some circumstantial things that we would consider. So, All right. One more question before we go to events, because I know we're almost done. But how does it feel to be a business owner having a store in a mall? It like, feels insane. Right? I feel a little insane. <laughs> um, it is, I have to say, like my to-do list is about a mile long, but I have enjoyed every second of this one because I get to do all of the things as a teacher that I was like, oh, one day, right? right. So that's really fun. But even the tedious stuff, because it's mine, feels mm -hmm. amazing. And it has been, so I'm a single parent. It has been amazing to see my girls see me. Right. Uh, that has been, I would say, the most rewarding thing where like, oh, they don't love that I'm busy all the time, right. but they have, I, I can tell they're really proud of me and they really think like, Wow, like look what mom has done. Right. right. That has been the most joy. And I'm sure yeah, that plays awesome. into who they are going to grow up to I be. hope so, yes. You know, and I think that that's something else to know. We're never done, right? So right. Where, exactly. where your dad was saying, like, you have to go to law school, mm -hmm. even if you did, that doesn't mean that at midlife yeah. that's what you're doing. Well, I'm and not I, doing journalism now. So no, there goes that. Like, well, kind of am. I'm on a podcast. Currently you yeah. are, but. Technically I am. <laughs> are you listening, Dad? No. I'm a journalist. <laughs> well done. Been there, done that. <laughs> Check. I think, I think that that's something, you know, I grew up in Western PA. My parents worked a job, but like that's what they did, right? They worked that job. You stayed in that right. job. Teaching is very much like that. It's safe. But that has been the biggest surprise to me, and I hope my girls see that too, is that we're never done learning. Life is about growing and changing. Just because you're doing one thing now doesn't mean that that's what you're married to for the rest of your life. And um, your parents were really proud. I remember your they, opening. They are very oh proud. Oh, my God. Yes. They were glowing. They <laughs> yeah. were so incredibly proud of you. Yes, and it's funny because I worried about that right. because – I was taking a step away from the safe job. Right. I didn't know that I could do business, right? I just didn't know. Right. But everything is figure out. I don't think any of us did. No, it's <laughs> well, so cool. Even if you go to school for like business, they don't really teach you the nitty gritty of being an, a mm -mm. business owner and everything that you need to know or do to be a business owner. Yeah, so, I think a little bit of grit and tenacity will take <laughs> you to where you're going, right? Mm, yeah. yeah. You learn along the way, which is pretty cool. Yay. Okay, event. Events. Oh my gosh. There is a lot going on and that's super exciting because mm -hmm. there are meetups everywhere. So the first one coming up is Fauquier County. They're having their happy hour on February 23rd, 530 at the Three Fox Vineyards. Oh, another new place. Go yep. wait. Yep. I heard yep. Three Fox Vineyards. I think it's that one. They had hammocks. Ooh. Oh. I know. I Probably not this time of year, but yeah, something to check out in there the spring or summer. That sounds awesome. And then Berkeley County is having their collective coffee at the Purple Iris, which I did go to the coffee last month. 
Um, their coffee for this month is the the 27th, but it is a very, very cute app. I loved it. The location like the is location gorgeous. Is gorgeous and it, it's for wedding like wedding venue parties pretty. and all of that so it's very pretty when you're there and you're sitting down and you're looking at you know the charm of the place and uh, it's a really Exciting. cool place so if you want to venture out to berkeley <laughs> county please do so um, the purple iris on the 27th 10 to 12 uh, frederick county will be having their coffee also on the 27th so you can choose winchester berkeley you know and that's going to be at the Paladine uh, Sports Bar, and that's also from 10 to 12. Washington County at the Ooh. Grand Piano Ballroom on March 1st from 10 to 12 for their coffee. And Tyson's super excited that they'll have their permanent space now, which is going to be every first Monday of the month, 10 to 12, at the Oakton United Methodist Church. Thank you, Angie. Yes, thank you, Angie. That is awesome. And that's that's a great space. It is. We that's had fun. A, the New Year's coffee was fun there. It was fun. And there was a lot of people there. And it didn't feel tight. Crowded, so no. that, that's group. really good. Um, and then, of course, we're looking forward to our first Young Professionals event Yay. at Lost Rhino at, on March 23rd. Uh, that's a happy hour. So 530 and last but not least, Bubbles and Bling. Bubbles and Bling. So that's on May 4th. I believe we still have a few spaces available for sponsorships. So if you want to be a sponsor, just reach out to one of us or go to our website, thesocialcollectives.org. And if you're looking for other events as we come up with them, just visit Check our the website. <laughs> Woo, I can breathe now. All right. <laughs> <sighs> That was a lot. Always an adventure. Always. There's, always. There's always stuff going on. Right? Always. So, like, my kids ask me, do you ever have a day off? No. No? <laughs> Not really. No, because you're doing laundry. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Are we going to pop on over to the Kids Collective? Let's for do that. The Wonders event? All right. Hey, everybody. I'm here at the Dulles Town Center Mall for the Kids Collective Vendor Event, and I am here with Francesca from Fanciful Findings. Thank you for being here, Francesca. You're welcome. So, Francesca, would you please tell us a little bit about your business? So, what I make, it's, like, really cool accessories, and you could put it on your shoes or, like, a phone and a backpack for, like, school since, like, back-to-school season, like, just got back. <laughs> you can hook it onto the side because like when you go and you look for like little charm things to put on your backpack some of them are like really ugly so I was like oh well I could just make them myself and they won't be ugly then yeah I love that so I love that you're doing the the accessories I bought a key ring to put on my purse you know where the little loop is the little ring I the, yeah. so I put the key ring there and it really helps me so I don't have to go in my purse and root through it, finding my keys at night when I'm trying to get in my car. Yeah. Do you make those? Yeah. So they can also attach onto there. So it's kind of like a multi-purpose thing. So what, like, mainly I said it was was, like, a phone thing, but it can also go on other things, too. So that's, like, what's really cool about them. So, yeah. So you were telling me a little bit about these cool shoe accessories. Can you explain that? Yeah. So what they do is they have these little hooks on the end, and... They can attach to your laces or they don't, you don't really need laces for them, but it works best with laces. So what you do is you hook it onto the lace and then it like dangles off 
and it looks like really nice and I really like them and they don't break because I've worn them before to school and I've like run around in them and they just like they stay put they don't even like snap or anything so they're very well made yeah what inspired you well one day I went into Francesca's which is kind of ironic because of my name but so I went in there and I was like oh this is really cool so I wanted to buy it so I bought it but like a few days later it like broke because also the string wasn't like very like strong. It was like really like thin and like loose. So I was like, oh, I could just remake it myself. So I remade it and I was like, these are really cool. I kind of want to sell them. And then like when I would go into other stores and I would look online for other ones, they were like, I didn't really like how they looked. I was like, there's not really like a variety of them. They're all like the same exact ones. So I was like, and they were all very long. So I was like, well, I could just make my own too. And maybe like other people would like them as well because there's more variety. And it's not just, like, one style, you know? Oh, my gosh, I love that. So you saw a need, you filled that need. Mm-hmm. Where do you sell your products? Um, I sell them on Instagram. You can find me. And I have an email and... Website? No, not Facebook yet. Page? I have not set up a website yet. Okay. This is like, so what's your Instagram? It's Fanciful Findings. I think it's Fanciful f- underscore findings. It's either that. It's Fanciful findings that's like the name and I'm pretty sure yeah that's like okay well I feel like we can find you and if not you can always find your mother on the social collective Facebook page (laughs) right okay so what is your favorite product that you make hmm that's like hmm, that's that's a hard one I think maybe it's the shoes because they can go with everything and like people can see them too and they're like oh that's really cool instead of like if it was just on my phone or like a backpack or stuff like that, I would have to pull it out for it to like show. But also because the shoe accessories, you can get them and they can go with different outfits. So it could be like, it could be part of your outfit and it would be like really cool. No, I super love that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So what is your favorite part about being a business owner? I think it's probably like the flexibility I have where I can have my own hours and I can really, I can make whatever I want without having to go to somebody and like get it approved and be like, yeah, you can make this. And also because I don't have to split the profit with anybody else. Like I can keep it all. I'm loving everything you're saying. I mean, flexibility, control, and all the money. That's, you're speaking my language here. All right. I feel like you're going to be a massive success. So thank you so much for spending this time with us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. And we're back. Woohoo. That was awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kelly, for being here. Is there anything else we might not have asked or that you want to add or how people can get in touch with you? Uh, Yeah, they can get in touch with us on our website, which is www.schooled. That's S-K-O-O-L hyphen E-D dot com. You can also find us on Facebook, on Instagram. So if there are any parents listening and you are having some frustrations about school, we'd love to chat with you. But that's it. Yeah. Come yeah. see us at the mall. Yay. Second floor, right behind Forever 21. Yep. Right across from the greatest escape. The future greatest escape. So. <laughs> yeah. So parents, like you heard, if you have, even if you have questions, yes, just please reach, reach out. out. Kelly's your girl. She's yep, awesome. She and is. She just makes you feel better instantly. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> My kid will not be a kindergarten dropout. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for episode 24. We'll see you all next week. So, so go, go out. out.